Good morning, Rich. Oh, man, we, we're still cold, aren't we? If you see me shaking up here, it's not because I'm scared. I'm just freezing. Um, it's so good to uh, be with you uh, this morning, to be able to come and share God's worth, uh, word with you, um, to come and tackle some practical stuff and some practical elements in our life. Um, and so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, will you please open them up to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs uh, chapter 6, verses 16 to 19. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19. We'll be um, looking at that a little later, but you can start turning there now um, as we, we dive into that. If you're looking for Proverbs, it's just after the, the book of uh, Psalms, so kind of like a bang in the middle of your Bible. Uh, that's a, that'll be a good uh, place to start looking there. Um, we have been, we started a, a mini-series on friends, uh, biblical friendship, two weeks ago. Um, and some of you might not necessarily have been here or can remember that. Some of you might be thinking, Joe, I can barely remember what we spoke about last week, never mind two weeks ago. Um, so let me kind of just unpack briefly what we chatted about because it's really foundational for what we are um, going to talk about today. And if we don't remember that or uh, understand it, we are going to fail um, to really grasp the importance of the next, the next step, if you will, um, that we're going to be talking about this morning. So last week we started talking about, friend, uh, two weeks ago we started talking about friendship and we looked at a passage in John 15 verses 12 to 14. It says this, this is my commandment. This is Jesus talking here. Um, and the com- this is a commandment, not a suggestion, not a plea, not if you like. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Here, here it comes. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. What a, what a wonderful passage of scripture here that Jesus calls us his friends but also says that we need to love like he has loved um, and that we can do what um, we need to do what he has done for us and so when we spoke about this two weeks ago we try to identify what is love then because if we're trying to figure out how to love people we really need to understand what biblical love is and we spoke about four things in particular and when we looked at these four things we can see a correlation to how Christ loved us. So we are called to love like these four things, but when we look at Jesus and the way he loved us, man, we see that he um, embodies these four things well, that he um, displays these four things well to us. Does that make sense? And so the first one was a rugged commitment. Biblical love is a rugged commitment. And when we look at Jesus and Jesus' love for us, we see this uh, rugged commitment to us, right? Man, that he is a holy God and he created us, yet we would sin against him. And yet he was so ruggedly committed to us for his love for us that he would come and die for us on the cross so that we might be with him again, regardless of whether or not we were his enemies or not. He just loved us and was ruggedly committed. And we are called to be ruggedly committed in our, fr- in our friendships to people um, and, and to stick around and to love people like that, regardless of what season they might be going through. The second thing we looked at was um, that biblical love conveys um, rugged commitment to presence, to be with each other. Um, And again, we see this with Jesus, that he absolutely loved us so much that he would leave paradise 
that he would go uh, leave glory and praise in the presence of the Father to come and become man, that he would suffer and go through hardships, that he would hunger and thirst and be treated like dirt, even though he was their creator. And so we see a rugged commitment to presence that Jesus would come and be with us. But also, though he has gone back to be with the Father, he says he would send his Spirit to dwell with us, who will never leave us nor forsake us, who will be with us to the end of the age. And so as we see Christ's love for us, so we are called to be ruggedly committed to presence. That relationships that we are, if we are going to love like Christ loved, is not over WhatsApp messages, is not over a Facebook, and just because we aren't friends on Facebook, but committed in each other's presence, to be there at all times, try be there with our, with our friends and to love like that. The third thing that we looked at was that biblical love conveys rugged commitment to advocacy, um, to be for them. Well, Jesus is called our advocate, that he has come and he has died for our sins, that he has come to be the very punishment um, that we were meant to, uh, to come and take the very punishment that we were meant to take, to be the sacrifice that we could not give so that we might be with him again. And so the same way we need to display love like that, to come and love people with a rugged commitment to be for them, um, to, to stand up for our friends. And lastly, we spoke about um, biblical love conveys rugged commitment to direction to grow with them and while jesus might not necessarily grow with us he helps us to certainly grow he did not only come to die so that our sins might be taken away but also that we might start living a life for his glory to become more and more like him to be transformed more and more into his image and so he comes and helps us to grow and we need to be ruggedly committed with our friends to help them grow but to grow together to do life together, to learn from one another, to sit around tables and those who aren't married would look at those who are and go, man, that's how I need to treat my spouse. To those who don't have kids, look at those who do and go, that's how I need to raise my children. That's how I do it. As we learn and grow with one another, as we ruggedly committed to these friendships, saying, hey, man, we need to, we need to get better in here, in this area and in that area. Let's, let's do it. Let's hold each other accountable and grow. And so there's this need for rugged commitment with love and to, to, to stick around and love each other. But having said that, there is this call in Scripture, and we see in uh, Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the, um, but the companion of fools will, will suffer harm. And so we, we learn from Proverbs and we learn in different places of Scripture as well that as we spend time with people, Whoever we spend our most time with, we start to become like, and we start to become more and more like them. And so there is this need for us to evaluate our friendships um, and to decide whether or not some of our friendships are good for us or aren't they. Are we becoming worse off because of these friendships or are we becoming better? And so we need to evaluate our friendships and go, we, we tell our teens this, don't we? When they go to high school, Man, pick the right friends because you're so worried about them choosing the wrong friends because they will be influenced by that. But yet when we become adults, we seem to think that that doesn't affect us anymore. But Proverbs says, no, there is this need for us to make sure that our friendship circles, the people that we are ruggedly committed to, are really, really good for us. And so Bill Harbour says this quote, he says, relationships like every other area of life require regular evaluation, pruning, and strengthening. So man, this is a good thing to do, if, especially if you're married, to sit down 
uh, with your spouse and go, man, what are, what are some of the friendships that we have that we are wanting to build more into. These are some great people that are going to have positive influence over our lives. We want more of that in us. So let's be ruggedly committed to that. Or, man, these relationships here, actually, when we're around them, we get up to stuff that we shouldn't be doing. This relationship has a negative influence on my life. And so maybe we need to prune back. Not necessarily say, hey, you're no longer my friend anymore, but just prune back on the amount of time and commitment that that relationship requires. And I know as I say this, this sounds rather awkward, um, weird, like should we really do stuff like that? But if we are wanting to grow, there's this need to surround ourselves with people in which we are to, we want it to grow and become like and want to be regularly committed to. Having said that, there are two dangers in doing this. Um, we, well, firstly, we're going to be looking at two areas this, this morning. We're going to look at some of the red lights and warning, um, uh, warnings that we need to watch out for when evaluating friendships, that we're going to look at some of those. Like, man, these are some things we've got to watch out for, and these are the, some of the things that we've got to look for. So those are going to be the two areas we look at. But there's two dangers in this. One, we think we need to find perfect friends. Oh, man, if you are looking for a perfect friend, you're only going to have one friend, and his name's Jesus. Um, because we're all sinners, right? And all our friends mess up, and thankfully they do. Otherwise, we would be the ones that no one wants to hang out with. Um, and so don't look for perfect friends. That's not what we're doing here, but we're just going, these are some of the things we've got to watch out for. Also, the danger in this is that we start to go, man, this is a list that I need to find in my friends. They can't have this, and they can't, um, and they need to have these things over here. And then as a result, we don't look introspectively and go, man, am I the friend that I desire? And so as we look at these lists, I want you not to go, man, are my friends hitting these marks as much as am I hitting these marks? Are these warning lights in me? Am I the bad one in the relationship? Am I the one that needs to also be sorted out? So we're going to turn to that passage in, in Proverbs 6 that I asked you to turn to in, in the beginning. And we're going to uh, see what Solomon has to say to us um, in, with regards to what we need to watch out for. Verse 16 goes like this. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haunty eyes, a lying tongue, a hand that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness that breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. And the first one we see in that list there is haunty eyes, not naughty eyes. Um, though if your friend or you have naughty eyes, you probably should sort that out. It's probably like the eighth one on the list that just kind of didn't make the cut. But haunty eyes, in other words, being slightly prideful, arrogant in the way that you conduct yourself or speak. And we all have met a person or know of someone who, whether or not they say it, just gives off that impression that they're better than you, right? Um, that, man, I'm sophisticated you can't even spill sophisticated. Well, I can't either. So, um, but um, I'm in shape. You a shape. Um, you know, I'm rich. You're not so rich. I'm um, I'm a businessman, man. You're just a normal laborer. I'm um, from the burbs. You're from town. I, you know, we've just whatever it might be. We just kind of give that impression 
that uh, and we pride for when we come across. And, and pride's a serious one. We see, we see in Scripture a number of uh, things that God says about being proud. It says in James 4 verse 6, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. Not only just dislikes, he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs um, 16 verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haunty spirit before a fall. Romans 12 verse 3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And you see, the problem with pride um, is that it goes completely against the gospel completely against the gospel. The gospel is that we are sinners saved by grace. That there's nothing great in us. We, ha- we haven't earned our salvation. There's nothing that God is attracted to that he has come and died for us. That we are detestable. We are sinful. We have nothing good in us and yet we have been saved. And when we stand up and go, man, I am great. There's something good in me. It goes against the whole gospel that we have been saved by grace. And, and James um, tackles this in James 1 he, verses um, 9 and 10. He says this, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. So um, in verse 9 it says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and saying, man, you might be saying, Joe, I've got nothing to boast about. I've got nothing great in me. I've got nothing to be proud about. Well, James in say, is saying, man, boast in the fact that you have been saved by grace. Boast in the fact that Jesus Christ has come and loved you and died for you on the cross. That he has made you a son and daughter of the living God. Boast in that. But for those who might have something to boast in, in terms of worldly possessions, in terms of who we are, it says in verse 10, but the the rich in his humiliation. Let the rich boast in his humiliation because he is like a flower of grass. He will pass away that he goes, Lord, I am a sinner, but I have been saved by grace because of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to boast in. Boast in who we are in Christ. To remember that pride goes against it. And really, friends that are prideful aren't really great friends. And the reason for that is because friendship for them is more about who they are and what they can get from it rather than what you can give and what, you can, um, and what they can give in the relationship. And so if we're prideful, we're really bad friends because it's more about is this convenient for me rather than how can I serve and love this other person. So the first one, haunty eyes. Second one is a, is a lying tongue. And now most of us know that if a person blatantly lies, um, probably, probably not a good friend to hang out with. But lying can also be not just blatant lies, like the sky is red, but, well, sometimes can be sunsets, right? But you know what I mean. Um, but just an over-exaggeration of the truth. So in other words, never date a fisherman, Right? or be friends with the fishermen because they just keep on getting bigger and bigger. As the weeks go on, that, that fish just got bigger and bigger. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But the principle applies. Don't, um, don't uh, when it comes to over-exaggeration of stories, bending of the truth, um, and might not necessarily be um, just an exaggeration of stuff, but not even telling the full truth, not expressing everything, um, and as a result of that, it can be a problematic. Alyssa often tells me she's on playground duty, and a little kid will come running to her and say, so-and-so hit me. And she'll go, okay, go get so-and-so, and you have to come along. And you go, why did you hit so-and-so? No, because so-and-so pulled my hair. Oh, well, that's why he hit you, you know. But when they come and uh, uh, tell Alyssa, like, that's, that's not a, 
You know, they only tell half the story. They don't tell the full story. And we've got to watch out for people who might not necessarily tell the full truth either. The third one, hands that shed innocent blood. Now, this is just a, this is a free tip right here. If someone walks around with a hockey mask and a chainsaw or a big axe, they're probably not the best friend to have, okay? Someone who sheds innocent blood. But that's not necessarily what the passage is talking about here either. Um, as much, well, it is, but there is more to it than that. It is, kind of gives us impression of someone who is mean-spirited. Um, someone who abuses the power that they have. And this can be just physical size. Someone who's just a bully, man, who gets into fights in pubs all the time, who just argues because they're bigger and stronger and what you're going to do about it. But it also can be just position of power. So the way we treat those who are uh, below us in the food chain at work, the way we speak to them, the way we treat them, that's not necessarily right as well. Or even as far as those who employ how do you treat your domestic? How do you treat the person who walk, works in your garden? Do you treat them fairly with respect? Because if you mean-spirited just because they're your employee and what else they're going to do, that's not right. It's not good. We've got to watch out for um, things like that as well. But rather, again, that we need to be pursuing gentleness. When we look at Christ, when we look at Jesus, we see that even on his way to the cross, even when he was going off um, to be crucified, um, he was falsely arrested, he was beaten beyond recognition, he was mocked and bruised and hung on a cross, yet the words that come out of his mouth are not hate and frustration, though he's God. His words are, Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And our need is to pursue gentleness rather than to be mean-spirited. The next one is a, a heart that devises wicked plans. That was number four and five we can put together in one. Um, um, feet that are hasty to run um, to evil. And so we see here all these kinds of people that make are looking for trouble. Troublemakers, right? Um, I had loads of these growing up at school. I was probably one as well. Um, but troublemakers, people that are constantly looking for trouble. And if we had to put this in a more... Um, adult environment, um, we kind of think of uh, business. If you're starting out in, in business and you are new to it, you'll find that it's very hard to break into the market being squeaky clean in a world that is ethically gray. Um, and you're going to find that it's difficult not to have to put in the extra quotes to make up businesses and put in three quotes when they needed three, but you're the only one that's a legit business to not uh, a bribe or to do those things to get the tender that you need. And, uh, and what we find is we often go and we justify it. We say, Joe, we have to do that because if we don't do it, we won't get food. And what we start to do is justify our actions behind the things that we do. And so we, we make up excuses. There's, there's a difference between... Um, Business is business and Christianity is Christianity. Or maybe even something less um, big, we go as far as um, having a hard drive full of copied music and copied DVDs. Um, and we say, well, Joe, you know what? I can't afford to buy all of this stuff. So that's why I do it. Oh man, to go to the DVD store is just so expensive. It doesn't matter. They've made so much money already. It doesn't matter whether or not I buy it or not. And so we go ahead and we justify our theft. And it is. 
And so there, there is this troublemaking in this thing that we come along, so we justify our actions, and it's easy to do so, um, to make sure it's okay, but we mustn't. In God's sight, it is still wrong and not something that we should be doing, and he doesn't see it as okay to justify it. And so we need to watch out for that as well. The next one is, do they spread gossip and slander? A false witness who breathes out lies. Do they spread gossip or slander? And this is one that we all like to do, right? Men and women. I've, I, w- I was always taught, taught growing up when I was young that women like to gossip. Man, that I've gotten older, men like to gossip as well. Um, we, we do so. We, we like to talk about other people's pain, other people's hardship, when other people mess up. Why? Because it makes ourselves feel great. And it's just juicy. I've got to share with someone something else. Uh, but we've got to watch out for this. Um, because, especially in friendships, because if we are hearing from those around us other juicy details about our other friends that we shouldn't know, trust me, those people are going around and telling the juicy details about your life as well. And you've got to watch out for that. Especially for us as Christians, we've got to be careful at using prayer and Christian love as a reason why we tell details. I had someone come recently to me and say, Joe, so-and-so, is, this has happened to them, and they haven't told their wife about it, and he's just told me it's very confidential. Um, but I'm telling you because I want you to pray for them. And I'm going, oh. But we do that, right? We sit down in prayer meetings, please pray for so-and-so. Because so-and-so is going through a divorce. Or please pray for so-and-so. And we use it to spread. And we've got to be very careful about that. We use our, the opportunities to share with others under the label of Christianity and out of love for them. And we've got to watch out um, for stuff like that. And the last one in this, and this list of warning lights that we're going to be looking at, and may I argue it is the, um, the, the one that God despises the most, out of them all, um, we see in, in verse 16, it says, the six things that God hates, and those are the first six that we spoke about, but the seventh is an abomination to him. And this one here, um, and this one is uh, being divisive, a person who sto- stirs up conflict. Again, this one goes vastly against what the gospel is about. The gospel is about a holy God out of grace reconciling those who are his enemies to himself. And through the death of his son Jesus, so that we might be um, in union with him, that we might have a relationship with him. And to stir up conflict is against the very nature and character of God. To create division is, a very, is against what the gospel is all about. Because when we believe in Jesus, when we cross the line of faith, we become one. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither man nor woman. We are one in Christ. We're all equal footing. And so to, just, um, to cause um, conflict is completely against what the gospel is about. I've got a family member who does this, um, who, who loves us. He recently came over and... Um, see my grandparents and he was down on his uh, Facebook page and he said watch this and he puts up a controversial post on Facebook um, either religious or political one of the two and he sits back with glee as he um, watches people argue because he knows his friends are going to bite and you see loads of comments and he loves it he does it he does it on purpose intentionally does it and that's what we've got to watch out for got to watch out for are we being divisive the way we talk about others, the way we share our opinions, just to make sure that we can see conflict before the, between the two. Knowing that two different people that we know share different opinions, and so we bring up that topic intentionally. 
to be divisive. And we've got to watch out um, for that one altogether. And so those are the, the things that we've got to watch out for. And again, I remind us that it's important not to just make a list of things that we can look for in our friends, but are we this ourselves? Are there these red lights in us that we need to um, be careful of? And we're going to run through this last one quickly. We're going to look at um, what are some of the things that we need to be looking for in, in friendships, um, some of the things that we need to uh, take and look for. The first one is, um, is there anyone who can coach us? Is there, this is like a, a mentorship relationship. Is there someone that we can have who can tell us exactly who we are, who we trust in, but also has every intention to see us become better people? Is there anyone who can coach us? The next one is, um, is there anyone who stretches our mind, changes our perspective a little, challenges the way we think to become uh, more in that area? Um, the next one, is there anyone who listens to us and encourages us? who listens to our dreams and goes, man, Joe, you can go and tackle that. You can achieve that. That is something that you, if you wanted to do it and you put your heart to it, man, you can do it. Is there someone who listens to your dreams and encourages you in that? Is there someone who protects you? Someone who stands up for you? Someone who backs you? Who's always on your side? Can you get a friend like that? Is there someone who you can cry with? That you can just be vulnerable with, say, oh man, this is, this is my hardship, these are my disappointments that I can cry with. Are we being friends as well that we can allow our friends to be vulnerable around us? Is there someone who rebukes you? <laughs> I've got lots of friends that do that. Um, but are, are, is there someone who rebukes you that says, hey, out of love and out of just good constructive criticism, hey man, you need to, you need to, you need to stand up here a little bit better. You need to be a better person here. This is, a, this is an area in, in which you're weak. Is there someone who you can play with, that you can go and watch the game with, that you can bride together with, that you can go and chat about the latest movie you've watched or whatever, or go watch movies together, whatever it might be? Is there someone that you can just have fun and let your hair down um, and be yourself with? Is there someone you can seek after God with, who's on roughly the same journey as you are, as you journey together and pursue um, God together. And if you're single and you're looking for a spouse, if she can or he can fulfill all of those, that is great. My wife certainly does. Um, and that is what we, we want if we are spouses to try be all of those um, for each other as well. And so just, a, just as we finish off and as we close off, just a reminder again that we pursue this and we do this because we have received great love from Jesus. And we are called to love and be ruggedly committed to our friends and, um, and seek great friends and be the best friend that we can be for, because we have been shown so much love and so much grace. And we extend grace after grace after grace to our friends as we are ruggedly committed to them and we help each other grow into the image of Jesus um, for his glory. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we are so thankful that when we look at friends, that we can look to you as our great example, as our friend who loves us, who cares for us so much. And I pray, Lord, as, as we try to become better friends, as we try um, to have this biblical love, to be able to be sacri sacrificial, um, to be ruggedly committed, that you would help us um, by the power of your spirit to grow in our friendship with you more, 
and so that we might be able to display that with our other friends as well. I pray, Lord, that you would help us um, to uh, be able to evaluate well, to be able to strengthen the right relationships, be able to prune back the other ones that we need to, um, so that we might become men and a woman who love you more, um, who glorify you and reflect you more and more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>